You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 260th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 859th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of August 11th, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud... Banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, it was another slow week in the world of Indiana basketball news. I would obviously love to be discussing a high-profile recruit commitment in this space, but it was not meant to be with Xavier Booker or with Jamie Kaiser, who chose Big Ten rivals, uh, more on Indiana's stalled recruiting momentum here in a bit. So I'll have to go with really the only real piece of IU basketball news to make any waves this week which was head coach Mike Woodson being interviewed by TMZ Sports after the passing of basketball legend Bill Russell. In case you missed it, Woody was stopped by a TMZ reporter at what looked like an airport and asked about a Magic Johnson tweet that said, quote, Commissioner Adam Silver should retire number six across the NBA in honor of Bill Russell's legacy. And here is Woody's response. That man set the stage for a lot of the players today, for me, players before me. Bill Russell was was the shit. You know I mean, I don't care how <laughs> you cut it. You know I mean? At the end of the day. Yes, indeed he was, Coach. Now, why does this matter? Well, it really doesn't. Like I said, it was a slow week. But it is yet another subtle example of Woody's cachet and his authenticity, two things that have, very, that have been very important in his success on the recruiting trail so far. And in this brand new world of recruiting, it can't hurt for your coach to go semi-viral being asked for his opinion about an NBA legend, which is a nice subtle reminder about Woodson's own long history in the league. I mean, can you imagine Archie Miller being interviewed like this or Tom Crane handling it in such a calm, cool, collected way or Kelvin Sampson conducting the interview without a third person on the line? But I digress. The point is, we all know whether we've wanted to admit it or not that our proud basketball program has become... A little dusty, a little stale across three decades in the basketball wilderness. Indiana basketball has long needed a breath of fresh air and an infusion of cool into its brand. Mike Woodson has done that. And just a few months from now, we'll get to see what really matters, what he can do with a roster that has enough pieces to compete at or near the top of the Big Ten. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Uh, First up... We're going to get to see live if his audio is working because we were having some issues right before we went live. But he is the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, the anti-Tony LaRusso of girls' youth sports coaching in Cincinnati, and one of the world's most respected bracketologists. He is the great Andy Bottoms. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. First class bracketology. If you want the top, you gotta go bottom. If you want the top, you gotta go bottom. That is right. Andy Bottoms. Your bottoms line on 
the last, I don't know, however many weeks it's been, I guess, since you've been on the show. <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad I came back in a week that is completely devoid of uh, news. So always good to always good to re-enter the fray uh, with that as a backdrop. Uh, really couldn't think of much except from the, the media side of things. Wanted to give uh, some congratulations to Tyler Tashman. So those who have followed him yes. uh, from an inside the hall standpoint, I know we've had him on a time or two uh, as well, just has done an amazing job and is uh, actually going to be working with the the uh, Indy star and, and uh, Zach and Dustin uh, over the course of the season, it sounds like. So awesome opportunity for him. One that's uh, well-earned, always excited to see uh, some of the people that we've, uh, you know, worked with and followed, even as students go on to uh, some exciting opportunities. So congrats to him is, uh, is a big headline this week, I would say. Absolutely. Well said, Andy. All right. Next up. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind this week? Uh, just to make sure everyone uh, is okay with our, our recruiting, we do have the Mr. Smooth, cool operator uh, at the helm who's uh, who's been closing. I know you lose a guy to Maryland who's close to home, and, and the booker goes up to Michigan State all of a sudden. You know, if you depending on where you go to get your uh, chat information, there's a little bit of uh, worry. Uh, there should be no worry. Coach Woodson, that is the aspect of basketball that I think uh, he has done, um, you know, rather well. A couple hiccups here or there, depending on how you evaluate. Did you go to this game or that game or see this kid play or not? But I think he's done a good job of recruiting and getting athletes back into the Indiana basketball program. So, I, I just will tell everyone to sit back and watch. We're going to get some more recruits for, for the next class, and, and they're really working hard, and I, I believe in this staff. So a couple of misses don't mean uh, doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Uh, I have faith in, in that aspect that we'll be all right and get some dudes into play. Also well said, Coach. All right, well, here's what we have in store for you this week. We will kick it off with Hoosier Headlines, talk a little bit about recruiting and the Big Ten TV rights deal. Uh, and then in our segment two, we're going to talk about what is at stake statistically for some of the individuals, especially the more veteran individuals on this year's team, because uh, some guys are really uh, have a chance to put their names pretty high up in the record books. Um, so we're going to run some of that down. And then in segment three, a whole bunch of fun questions from you this week that we are looking forward to answering. So we will get to that then. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Home Field Apparel, they are the presenting sponsor for the Assembly Call and for all shows on the Back Home Network. Uh, and Home Field Apparel, simply put, they have the best collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And pretty much for all of the 130, 140, 150 schools, however many they have now, they have their best collection of vintage apparel too. Because Homefield has such a unique business model. They take the old brand marks, the old logos from schools that have just been you know, sitting in, a, in an attic or a warehouse for decades. They bring them back, they dust them off, they breathe new life into them, and they really celebrate 
the history and the tradition and the nostalgia of college sports, which is why we all like it so much. College sports, they tie generations together, uh, and that's really what Home Field Apparel's gear does. It ties generations of college sports fans together. It's super comfortable. The colors last through many washings, and that is why Coach Tonsoni has replaced literally every article of clothing in his home with pieces of apparel from Home Field Apparel. If he had to wear a suit tomorrow... He would literally have to put on his bison hoodie and then take like one of his Tulane shirts and tie it up into a bow tie because that's all he has left. Coach, that's a fairly accurate description, is it not? A hundred percent. I was asked to clean out my closet last week by Mrs. Tonsoni, and I had to make a lot of room for a lot of home field apparel. And there will be more. <laughs> So, if you want to go get some Home Field Apparel, go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. It's homefieldapparel.com. All right, guys, uh, let's hit some Hoosier headlines. Coach mentioned the recruiting, uh, and Andy, you know, obviously some guys at Indiana uh, had been uh, pursuing to varying degrees. Xavier Booker and Cohen Carr both went to Michigan State, as Tom Izzo apparently desperately wants to uh, get the Jaron Jackson-Miles Bridges uh, combination going again. Because those are really – I think that's kind of like if you read – you know, the scouting reports of those two guys, that's kind of like the high end of their scouting report. Um, you know, we'll see if Xavier Booker, uh, you know, what, what he can do and if Cohen Carr can find a shot. Uh, but they're going to Michigan State where they will develop under Tom Izzo and Jamie Kaiser, uh, a wing, a good shooter, picked Maryland. Um, you know, and I mentioned in the banner moment, you know, Indiana's recruiting momentum is a little bit stalled. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, it is. You know, you have these guys in. You want to get those commitments. Um, and that hasn't happened yet. But to Coach's point, I really don't think it's anything to worry about. You know, uh, Indiana still sits in a good pay, uh, a good place with Arrington Page, uh, Ford out of Georgia by all accounts. I saw earlier today Jeff Rabjohns reported uh, that Derek Queen, um, a really highly regarded post player who I think is going to go to Montverde, uh, he wants to visit Indiana along with Maryland and Arizona. And, of course, you've got the transfer portal. And, of course, you've got Mike Woodson who closes on a short recruitment like nobody's business. And so there's going to be other names that come up. There's going to be transfers that come up. Um, and Andy, it really seems like now more than ever, you know, look, it's the off season and we cling to any bit of news. And that's always, you know, if it's good news, there's going to be an emotional reaction. If there's bad news, there's an emotional reaction. So it feels like there's momentum. But honestly, I think, <laughs> I, I don't know, it'd probably be better for everybody to just not pay attention to the roster until November 1st and just see what you end up with. Because there's so many ebbs and flows and they're fun. Don't get me wrong. They take up airtime on our show. Um but I, I, I agree with Coach. I'm not worried about anything right now, um, uh, recruiting-wise. Uh, does that sentiment kind of match up how you're feeling? I mean, what fun would it be, though, if you didn't overreact to, to everything in the offseason? What else are you going to do in the, in the early part of August? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think – I mean, there's enough irons in the fire still. I mean, this has not been a group that has uh, you know spread themselves as widely in terms of scholarship offers and, and things of that nature – but the, it, it's also not so narrow that, um, you know, losing some of these guys, all of a sudden, there's just not enough to, you know, missing out on a couple guys and all of a sudden it's it's panic mode there. So I think there's enough uh, irons in the fire in that regard. And uh, I think I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. We've talked a lot about how important it is for to see what happens with Renault and Jalen Huchifino and 
and those guys to be able to get some more higher end recruits. I think if recruits are taking potentially a wait and see approach based on that, probably reasonable to a certain extent. Um, and, and again, puts a little bit of uh, interest uh, in, in terms of, of how those guys develop over the course of the season and what that might mean for recruiting down the line, as you guys have talked about in, in recent weeks, but I don't think there's a, a you know, huge reason to, uh, to panic quite yet. By the way, we have breaking news here at Assembly Call Headquarters. Uh, I just saw in the chat that Tim McCoy listens to every podcast, but this is his first post here live in the chat mob. He said this is his favorite cast of characters plus Mr. Rant. Now, Tim will learn in the future when you come into the chat mob, you don't say positive things about Ryan uh, in the chat mob. Um, so just that's a beginner's mistake by Tim. It's OK. We're going to allow it this one time. <laughs> Um, but Tim, try to just, you know, try to be a little bit better, <laughs> a little bit better, uh, about that next time, but welcome. And it's awesome. You know, if y'all are listening on the podcast and you've never joined us live, we'd love to have you for a live show. We broadcast these on YouTube and on Twitch, uh, you know, Thursday night show goes live at nine Eastern, uh, every week. And it's a, it's a fun group in the chat mob. So if you can ever make it, we'd love to have you here live, uh, for one of our live recordings, uh, guys, the only other real big piece of news this week, unless I missed something, and you guys can tell me. Um, but the Big Ten is negotiating its new TV rights deal. I don't think it's been signed yet, but it's expected to be, you know, become uh, you know formal uh, and final uh, here soon. But the big news is that ESPN has pulled out of negotiations for the package, uh, and that's big news because the Big Ten has been with ESPN since 1982, which means there was like maybe a year during my life. <laughs> when the Big Ten was not with ESPN. That is a long, long time. Um, so what is going to happen now is Big Ten sports, football and basketball, will be on Fox, they'll be on CBS, and they'll be on NBC. Um, and according to Sports Business Journal, Big Ten games would also air on FS1, of course, the Big Ten Network, and then Peacock, NBC streaming service, would also be uh, in the mix. And then according to The Athletic, a streaming package, quote, a streaming package with Amazon or Apple could also be part of the deal. It is expected to be in excess of $1 billion, Just, <laughs> just amazing. Just amazing. But hey, hopefully the Big Ten Network keeps getting our $9.99 for, uh, for the BTN Plus games because <laughs> they, they need that extra money. Um, you know, I think we all kind of knew this was coming. I guess the one question I have is... Is it short-sighted at all to to not have the Big Ten be part of ESPN? You know, the SEC is going to be going full-time to ESPN, and that that's kind of the one bit of commentary that I've seen is, hey, you're making more money now, but ESPN still kind of sets the stage and sets the agenda for sports. And if it's SEC and if it's ACC on there, the Big Ten may get lost in the shuffle a little bit. I'm not sure I totally agree with that, but it's out there, and I'm curious what you guys think of it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't worry about that. I've moved on from ESPN uh, other than live game programming um, just because for me, personal choice that some of the, the shows and, and the way they, you know, just have tacked here in the last five or so years for everything, but sports, um, as long as the games are available uh, and there's some talking in the chat, do I have to buy another streaming service and all that when it becomes a little difficult, for our fans to find the games, uh, th that's the only problem that, that I have. I, I think the Indiana brand with basketball is going to be easily found on some of those broadcast uh, stations through your your cable or your 
your streaming service that you use because Indiana is going to be there. Now, football is a different story, uh, you know, with with Indiana being a little bit lower. But we're one of the top two conferences, and we're going to be on CBS at 3.30 in football and nighttime with NBC, and we're having four windows, and we're getting billions of dollars. Uh, I, I don't like the expansion other than – bring in the bags of cash and build good facilities and, and, and take advantage of it. So, uh, I don't, I don't mind moving off of ESPN. By the way, that that's a billion dollars per year. So it's roughly yeah, per the league. Field, yes. Roughly what home yeah. field apparel pays to sponsor the back home network. That is what uh, the big Ten is. Will be I, I think I sponsor the back home network with all my purchases. Yeah, I think you do. They just take all my purchases and throw yeah. it right back. Next week, the sponsor is Coach Tonsoni because <laughs> he he keeps the lights on. Direct line. Program. Yeah. Um, Andy, do you have it? Again, I, I agree with Coach. I'm not that worried. I actually think it's forward thinking to become part of, you know, Apple and Amazon that are obviously making some big inroads into sports. And yes, ESPN has set the agenda for sports for most of our lifetimes. And coach, it could affect, you know, people our age and older who, you know, go there expecting games to be there. But as you start looking toward the younger crowd, I don't think ESPN is nearly as relevant to them as it is to us. Andy? Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think that it's uh, probably generational to a certain extent, but I, I also think people have gotten used to having to look different places to find the things that they want, whether that's streaming services for other shows or, or things like that. So I think... I think at this point it's fine as long as it doesn't end up on the Pac-12 network that no one ever that no one actually gets, and I think we should be okay. Yes, yes, then we will be fine. You know, you know Jared, too. Some of the production on those streaming services is better, um, and maybe not better, but it, maybe it's new and fresh. Like the Apple baseball uh, broadcasts have been have been pretty nice and and simple to watch. So it'll be interesting to see what these streaming services bring as far as the production value and, and, and graphics and things like that, uh, because they, they want to keep people interested in, in coming back to their streaming. So there's that aspect of production, which I know little about, you know, obviously Galen would know a lot more about, about all that. But when I have watched the Apple production of baseball, I have been impressed. Uh, I didn't think I would be uh, um, with that. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be less than what the traditional, uh, avenues would would do because they've done it for a long time but i think those streaming services are are really good at what they do and serious about entering into the to sports the only other bit of news uh, that i wanted to mention it's not happening this weekend but it is coming up and that is the the hoosier basketball fantasy experience uh which i know that a lot of you are going to it's august 18th through the 21st uh there's the fantasy camp you've got fan fest the fantasy golf experience there's a women's camp being put on um, by the Hoosier women. What is the actual date of FanFest? It is Saturday, August 20th. Uh, starts at 7 o'clock. You can still get tickets for it. It's HoosierFantasyExperience.com. And this is an NIL event, which means the players are going to be paid based on the proceeds uh, of this event. The Hoosier Hysterics are part of the team putting this on, along with the Mark Cuban Foundation uh, and a few others. Um, but they're Hoosier Hysterics uh, NIL Collective. This is kind of the big event that they're doing. They did one last year. Uh, you know, by all accounts, it was a really successful event. Um, and, you know, if you know Eric's background, that's, you know, he does stuff like that. He produces, you know, events and things. And so I'm sure this is going to be well done. Um, and usually things get better the second year. Uh, so if you are going, I'm not going to be able to go, Coach Andy. I don't know if you guys are going. 
but if you are going, I know some people were mentioning in the community, let's try to get, you know, an assembly call group together, get a photo. Um, and so we usually meet, you know, out by the, the big mural of the old state of Indiana um, that was at center court. And so if you're in the private community, maybe we'll coordinate a time uh, for assembly, uh, assembly call folks to get together. Um, but hey, I hope it's a great event. Um, you know, dunk contest will be the first time to see the team play live. So everybody stay healthy, have fun, um, and, uh, and make a lot of money for the players. Because look, I think if events like this are successful, uh, it's just something else that's going to help with recruiting uh, in what is now kind of an NIL arms race. <laughs> You know, so hopefully this event uh, is successful and something that uh, that they can point to uh, as just something else that players can do when they come to Indiana uh, to earn that NIL money. Okay, uh, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we know that a lot is at stake for the team this season, but we're going to take a look at some individuals who are nearing some really impressive milestones, surprisingly so, perhaps. Stick with us. We're going to break those down next BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, and again, that website, HoosierFantasyExperience.com. And you'll find all the information about that. All right. How you guys doing? I'm good. Good to see good. you folks. Ryan is recovering still uh, from his sinus surgery, so but he thinks he'll be ready to go for next week. I'm sure he'll have plenty of rants planned. I've already seen many. Are, are the Padres struggling since they got Juan Soto? Because all I've seen is Ryan bitching on Twitter about the Padres. <laughs> which They I mean, lost August, some to the Dodgers. So okay. Yeah. Seems like those high hopes maybe aren't being fulfilled. Real shame. I'm real broken up about it. Um, <laughs> all right, well let's let's dive in here. Um, oh, I forgot about beer. We forgot beer. That was big news. Coors, Coors Light. Coors. Yep. So Coors is. So what exactly was that? They're the official beer of Indiana football or Indiana sports? Dem- athletics, domestic, at wow. all home events that sell beer, it'll be Coors Light. I'm sure there'll be. Maybe so some not, other local yeah. options. Right. So there'll be other craft beers, but you won't find right. Miller Lite. You won't find any of the other stuff. Coors. Yeah. Okay. Taste the Rockies. Isn't that there? Maybe, maybe that's an old slogan. Was there? It was that was <laughs> a slogan at one point. I know. <laughs> okay. Now, but do we think that beer and wine are coming to Assembly Hall? Surely that's going to be 
coming soon. Don't we think? I mean, it would seem to be inevitable, but I mean, you know, beer and the steps of assembly hall those you know what could go wrong right <laughs> I, don't, I mean i'm i'm joking but i'm kind of not joking like those are there's some no and, there's some difficult walking in assembly hall i kind of worry about people that is the major <laughs> concern but also beer spillage on your way down you know yeah. that that what at step 14 or 16 you got that double step down you yeah step and spill half of your 14 dollar beer that could be that could be you know tough on the budget yeah i don't know it sounds like uh it sounds like it may happen but we'll see i guess i'll believe it when i see it uh valerie chimes in in the chat with i have sat near vomit in assembly hall (laughs) (laughs) that's self that's self-induced that's that wasn't profitable to the university that was probably profitable to big red liquors (laughs) all right well on that pleasant note let's Let's move on. A lot of things you might see in the chat. That's a first for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Let's do segment two here. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Juwan. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. And look, it's the offseason. You know, we're looking for fun topics to kick around. And, you know, once we get into the season, uh, I think we all agree it's all about wins and losses. Like, stats are nice. Uh, and stats help determine all Big Ten teams and all Americans and that kind of thing. But we really care about the wins and losses. But it's the middle of August, so I think we can indulge in one discussion highlighting some ind- individual statistics because, look, we've got some veterans on this team. We've got guys who are having their fourth go-around, their fifth go-around, and they've amassed some statistics. And when you amass some statistics and you start climbing up the charts – you start passing and getting near some names that we all love and some legendary players, not just in Indiana history, but in college basketball history. And so that to me is actually part of the fun part about looking at some of these statistical milestones is just going through all the names, you know, of the guys who were up there and remembering uh, some of their great careers. But before we get to that, so we just had Juwan Morgan on doing the intro. He has Indiana's last triple double. If a player on this year's team was going to get a triple-double, who do you think is most likely to get one? I'm putting you on the spot. I, I'm going to go X. Andy? Points, assist, rebounds. Yeah, that was who I would have said as well. I mean, maybe – I mean, you got to find somebody who's good at a variety of things. I mean, I I don't know. I, if X I is- pick somebody else. Yeah, he feels like the would be the the favorite. Um, or Huchifino, same kind of role. I, yeah, you can make yeah. a case for him. I think race maybe would be a possibility, depending upon the passing. Would obviously be hard. Maybe Trace against one of the cupcakes could get ten blocks. Ten blocks. Yeah, I would say X or Huchifino are probably the most likely, just because you know they can both rebound and they'll get some assists. Um, but. Yeah, but could be Trace, yeah, with the blocks. We'll see. That would be uh, that would be fun to see another one. So speaking of Trace Jackson Davis, Trace is look. He's had three terrific years at Indiana. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's been on 
some teams that haven't been very good uh, and haven't had a whole lot of options. And so, you know, on the one hand, he hasn't benefited because he hasn't won as many games and hasn't had deep tournament runs and hasn't done some of the things that you come to Indiana to do. On the other hand, he has benefited, you know, personally, at least from a statistical standpoint, because he's gotten a lot of opportunities that a player of his caliber as a freshman and a sophomore might not have gotten on some better Indiana teams. Now, you know, it doesn't matter what Indiana team you look at. Trace Jackson Davis is a talented player. He would have found a role. But there are obviously many Indiana teams that he wouldn't have been kind of the star go-to guy as a freshman, the star go-to guy as a sophomore. But this is when he came to Indiana, and he's made the most of it, um, and he's had a terrific career. And now as he gets ready to enter his fourth season – on a team that people do think can compete for a Big Ten title, on a team that think that people think can be a top fifteen, you know, level team if things break right, uh, he has a chance to do both, to put up good stats and pass some really great players along the way, and possibly win a lot of games too. And so I want to go through some of these. Um, so the first question that I have for you guys is: Can Trace become a two-time All-American? And there are actually several Hoosiers who have been two-time All-Americans. He was a third-team All-American uh, as a sophomore. But the first question is, there are three Hoosiers who have been three-time All-Americans. Can you name, and play along at home, can you name the three Hoosiers who were three-time All-Americans? One should See, be gimme, would, Andy. Well, this would, be, this would be better if Ryan was here because he doesn't read the run sheet ahead of time. But since I have it pulled up already, oh, that's right. I, that's I don't true. want to compromise the integrity of this, uh, this exercise. So, uh, so if coach hasn't looked at it, then he can, he can chime in and do the guessing, but this I, is where I, you can always count on Ryan. Cause you know that he hasn't read it. So I have looked at it. So I'm in the same boat. Let um, me just jump in real quick. You don't know. Just, <laughs> okay. So you guys already looked at it. All right. Well, maybe I, maybe I should have positioned when I sent you the run seat that I was going to ask you these questions. Okay. Well, yeah, I hope sorry. that you were, I hope we that you apologize were for preparing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I didn't think about this until until the last minute, so it's cool. So Indiana's three three-time All-Americans, Don Schlunt, Kent Benson, and Calvert Chaney, all obviously legend top 10 players in the history of Indiana. Now, Indiana has had 10, 11 two-time All-Americans. Bob Leonard, Archie Dees, Walt Bellamy, Jimmy Rail, Steve Green, Quinn Buckner, Scott May, Mike Woodson, Ted Kitchell, Steve Alford, and Cody Zeller. So Trace will likely be a preseason first team or second team All-American. If he is able to finish the season as an All-American, then he will join those names as two-time All-Americans in Indiana history. Uh, The next thing is, you know, a lot of people are talking about Trace as a potential Big Ten player of the year. Uh, Do you, listening at home, know who Indiana's last Big Ten player of the year was. This actually surprised me. I guess I didn't realize it had been this long since we'd had a Big Ten player of the year. Did you realize this this was was the last one? No, this was both surprising and depressing as an exercise to to look at. (laughs) Yeah. So, Chat Mob, do you guys have any guesses uh, for who Indiana's last Big Ten player of the year is? Uh, And really, you know, Indiana hasn't actually had a a first-team All-Big Ten player since 2016 when Yogi was first-team All-Big Ten. Uh, but Indiana's last Big Ten player of the year was DJ White in 2008. So again, a possibility, you know, tr- this is something Trace is going to be talked about. He's got to go out and do it, um, but he'll be talked about that. So before we get into the points, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on those kind of 
big picture expectations for Trace? Like Andy, what are what do you expect from Trace? What do you think is a fair expectation for Trace as we start talking All American, Big Ten Player of the Year, first team All Big Ten for his senior season? Is that kind of a fair place to set the bar for him? I, I think it's reasonable. I mean, if you, if you would look back at the history of it, it probably depends a lot on how much you buy into IU as the preseason favorite in the Big Ten. If you believe that that's where they will be and should be slotted and, and that's where they end up, then I think that's reasonable because the best, the best player on a team that that wins one of the major conferences is almost always going to be in the mix for those kinds of, um, certainly for Big Ten Player of the Year, but from an All-American standpoint more, more so, it's going to be in the mix for those kinds of accolades. So I think it if you believe that those expectations from a team perspective are realistic, then I think it by, by proxy makes them realistic expectations for him as a player, because I used unlikely to achieve those things without him having another really strong season as the the leader of the team coach. You know, I, I think he deserves uh, that opportunity and that recognition. I, I think, you know, the all American thing, um, it, is going to be there for him to take the player of the year is harder. Uh, I think because of, I think Andy's right. You got to have a winning team, but I believe Indiana will be winning and in, in competition, but you never know, you know, player of the year and stats and points, you know, uh, Indiana can have a very successful winning season and maybe he's outshined by a player who's scoring a few more points per game or having some, some bigger games because the, the roster's, the most talented since TJD's been there. And and that's why stats are fun uh, in, in August to talk about fun in the season, as you mentioned uh, in the lead up to this segment. Um, but, you know, sometimes the player of the year is not the person who just scores the most, it, you know, so it depends on the criteria and, and who is voting on that and, and who's going to, you know, what, what's the value put to the fact that, he's going to be a big reason why Indiana wins, whether he's scoring or getting double teamed, his passing ability, some other things too. So I think he's in the mix. I would love to see him get it. I, I think he has a chance to do it. I don't think it's a bad season if he doesn't get player of the year in the big 10, but yeah, I think where the big 10 is in losing talent, he's got to be one of the favorites. And I think that's just going to be fun to fun to watch from a personal standpoint, but that also means Indiana's playing well uh, as been, as has been mentioned. Yeah, I yeah. feel like the All-American stuff tends to be a little bit more weighted heavily toward guys whose teams have had really good seasons yeah. versus, to your point, Coach, the the player of the year piece. You know, guy could potentially win player of the year while being on a middling team because he puts up great numbers. Like, that guy might not end up being an All-American unless it's really astronomical, you know, statistically to overcome the fact that the team wasn't all that successful. So. I think there's definitely a balance there. And I think, you know, Joel mentioned this in the chat that he might score less and I, you might win more. Um, and I think that puts him in the mix for a first team, all big 10 for sure. Cause it, and, and I think that could put you in the mix for all American, but certainly if he scores less, it probably feels unlikely that he is, is a top candidate for conference player of the year. And, and I would say, as we've mentioned that scoring less, by being consistent in his play, not scoring less because he has big days and then a couple of weeks off and then another couple of big, you know, a big run in the Big Ten tournament. The one thing that we've all mentioned here in the offseason is he's got to be, in order to get these accolades, he's got to be consistently as good as he possibly can. Um, 
and it doesn't necessarily mean the points, but there are some times where he struggled with the two foul sitting thing we've talked about. He come out in the second half and was, was struggling to get in the flow and some of those things, those things got to even out if he's going to expect to have the highest, uh, you know, uh, awards personally. And the reality of how these things work is, you know, Trace is a name brand in college basketball. And there aren't as many of those these days because guys right. come and go, but people know him. And he's, again, for better or worse for him, been attached to this latest batch of mediocrity for Indiana under Archie Miller, the transition to Mike Woodson. Obviously, good things happened at the very end of last season. But he's going to get some benefit of the doubt. And that's where, you know, Joel, I think, is right. Trace very well could score less. He might play fewer minutes. But he may have a bigger impact, even if the numbers aren't as big, because, you know, he does more in fewer minutes, obviously the leadership aspect of it, the experience, and he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And if Indiana's good and kind of has that breakthrough season where we're competing for a Big Ten title and a top 15 team, as long as his numbers don't crater and he's still playing very well at a high level, it's almost like how a quarterback gets the credit. He's going to get the credit for it and well-deserved almost surely, you know, but part of being on a better team is your numbers may go down, but that's why numbers tell an incomplete story. Um, and you really have to dig deeper to really understand how a guy is playing and what he's contributing. Who was the big 10 player of the year last year? Keegan Murray, I think, or Jaden Ivey or Johnny Davis. One of Johnny Davis. I mean, right there. It, it, three was good. Johnny, it was Johnny Davis, according yeah. to, according to Wikipedia, three great candidates, right? Where, where you wouldn't be surprised if any three got it. Uh, you know, I think, TJD's the front runner because he is a known, you know, player and has demonstrated that already. But who's the main competition for Big Ten Player of the Year? Dickinson. Maybe Zach Eady. I mean, I don't know if he's going to play enough minutes to rack up the. I don't know, Coach. Geez, that face. Okay, All man, right. get him out of if there. If Zach Eady gets it, I mean, he wasn't he like ban the, They should Big ban Ten? the whole Player of the Year award. Period. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you, but I cannot sit here and watch Zach Eady because he just dunks the basketball getting played. There's more to basketball than being eight foot seven and dunking the basketball. (laughs) I don't like carrots. (laughs) And I don't like Zach Eady either. Okay. Zach Eady, not a candidate. Yeah, the other Murray, probably. Um, the unnamed sophomore that is going to break out and like lead the big 10 in scoring. So either Tamar Bates, one of the guards from Michigan state, like who knows, uh, could be someone who breaks out, but he looks Uh, good right now. His positioning, uh, uh, with with what he's done. It does. So let's talk scoring. So trace has scored 1,588 points. Uh, he's averaged 16.9 points per game for his career. He scored 19.1 as a sophomore that dipped to 18.3 last season. But again, he was on a better team with more scoring options. He is currently in 15th place all time. Uh, So you start looking at that list. Greg Graham, Scott May, Brian Evans, Eric Anderson, Christian Watford, Kent Benson, Damon Bailey, Alan Henderson, Yogi Ferrell, and then you get to the five 2,000-point scorers in Indiana history. His coach, Mike Woodson, A.J. Guyton, Don Schlunt, Steve Alford, and the great Calvert Chaney. So if Trey scores 18.3 points per game this year, which would be the same as he scored last season, and if we assume 35 games, now they could play more if they have a you know deep tournament run. Obviously, they you know could maybe play a few yet less than that, just depending. But let's just say 35 games, which is about average. If he averages 18.3 points per game, he will finish with 2,228 points. He'll be third all time if he just does what he did last season. 
That's incredible. He'll be the sixth 2,000 point scorer. He'll pass his coach, Mike Woodson. Um, and just to, to get to 2,000, if he just averages 11.8 points per game, scores 412 for the season, he will be a 2,000 point scorer. Uh, to pass his coach, he needs to average 13.5. To pass Don Schlunt for number three, he needs to average 17.2 points per game. So my question to you guys, Andy, do you think Trace Jackson Davis will pass Don Schlunt by averaging 17.2 points per game and being third on the all-time Indiana scoring list when his senior season is done? Well, that's a uh, – yeah, that's pretty tight. I mean, if you figure, like you said, you're 18 points. I mean, the 35 games is – is like you said, probably a middle of the road expectation when you figure in regular season, plus hopefully a couple big 10 tournament games, maybe a couple NCAA tournament games. You're getting to around that point. I, I, I'm going to say yes. Um, but I think it's close. I think you're right on the, the border there. Cause I do think he could score fewer points than, than a year ago. Um, which, you know, pointless per game doesn't feel like a whole lot of a, a drop off and, and maybe that's reasonable, but I think, I think he gets there. gets, it gets pretty close. Cause I, I feel like if you look up the list from there, he seems pretty likely to pass Guyton. Um, Cause there's 92 points that separate Schlunt and Guyton. So I feel like that one is uh, certainly within reach, but I, I'll, I'll say yes. Coach, are you giving that to trace? I, I think so. Uh, even even if the, the points are spread out a little bit, you're talking about he was at 19 at one point, now down to 17-something, right, to get to third. Um, I, I do think he gets it, and, and that's just total, too. So, like, if they advance into tournaments, right, th- those mm-hmm. points, career scoring. So, counts. with, the, with the, the chance of getting to the Sweet 16 and playing an extra game or two, um, you know, winning the Big Ten tournament this year, you know, a lot of things that are going to happen. There's some extra games uh, that he could be played there. But here's here's the other thing, just on the overall, the, the, the roster being better, and man, do we wish it's a three-point shooting team of just some decency. Then that's where he, you know, he may get some points with less touches too because they're going one-on-one with him because you got to lock up on 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 some of the perimeter players too. So that's so much to watch when the season starts is how our teams are they going to take away trace early that lowers his points, but then all of a sudden other players step up, then you got to do some uh, different things. And I just believe what he found in the big 10 tournament, if that is maintained, um, even with all the spread out, uh, the spreading out of opportunities, I, I think he at least gets those 17 points he needs to get to third. Uh, but, but I agree with Andy, it might be a little tight. Um, based on the quality of the of the roster you know the crazy thing is you know obviously you know now players a lot of times you know a lot of the all-time leaders in games played are now because you know guys tend to play a few more games but what's crazy about trace is he's actually missed a decent amount of games just because of circumstances outside of his control you know missed at least two games in 2020 when the season was canceled for covid he missed four or five last year just due to the shortened schedule um, and you look at Calvert Chaney, he averaged 33 games per season. Trace has played 31.3 games per season. So he's not racking this up just by playing more games. Right. I do think it's fair to say he's racking it up by getting more volume, again, as I mentioned before, than a player of his caliber would have gotten on other teams. But now as a senior, you know, seeing what we saw at the end of last year, you know, he's going to be a, a go-to guy that hopefully now has more than just one dimension. You know, for two years and three quarters, it was just a guy who you had to dump it down to on the block. And maybe every now and then he would run the floor for a fast break. 
But now, you know, if they can really get that pick and roll going, there's a lot of different ways for him to score. And we'll see if the shot ever comes around. Uh, but at least there's more variety, a greater variety of ways for him to get the ball close to the basket where he's so devastating. All right, now let me run through the rest of this stuff pretty quickly, but it's all very impressive. So field goal percentage-wise, Trace for his career, 55.8%. He is currently number seven all-time. Calvert Chaney, by the way, number six. He's the only perimeter player in the top 11 of field goal percentage because Calvert Chaney is unbelievable. Uh, The single-season record. Do you remember the single-season record for field goal percentage? I know you guys know because you saw this, but you all playing along at home. Thomas Bryant in 2016, 68.3%, which just – is like miles farther uh, than the next player. Trace's 58.9% was ninth. Um, So field goal percentage, he has a chance to continue moving up the charts. Free throw attempts, he has taken 615 for his career. The record is Don Schlunt, 1,076 free throws for his career. Trace is already at number four uh, behind Allen Henderson and Christian Watford. Uh, so he probably is not going to catch Don Schlunt, but he will almost surely finish. That number for Schlunt there is absolutely bananas. Like as much so as the the field goal percentage thing. I saw that and I was like, what? (laughs) It's unbelievable. It really clearly is. never had to play games in the Cole Center with Bo Borowski as an official. Yes. That's neither here nor there. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Now, here's where it gets really interesting with Trace, the rebounds and the blocks. We talked about the points. Trace currently is at 797 rebounds. He's averaged 8.5 per game. He's ninth all time. Eric Anderson is eighth. Tenth is Christian Watford. If we just give Trace his average from last season, 8.5 at 35 games, that would be 298 rebounds. At 1,095 rebounds, he would be number one all time. Passing the great Allen Henderson, who has 1,000 or who had 1,091, Walt Bellamy, 1,087, Kent Benson, 1,031. Coach. Does Trace get again? He it would need to. He needs to average about eight point four, eight point five to get it, which is right what he had last year. Does he get enough rebounds to be number one all time in career rebounds? And Allen Henderson should have had more. We all know that the injury took away some valuable rebounding time from Allen Henderson. He would have rebounded his way to a national championship in nineteen ninety three. We all get that, uh, but Trace could still pass him. If if you say yes, you think that he's energized to come back and just have an incredible year and he's just bouncing all over the place. The no side would say someone like Malik Renault and is coming in and, and going to spell him some minutes. Um, he's not going to play, you know, 40 minutes against Marshall this year. And so th- those numbers can just drop just slightly enough. It is going to be close. I think he comes a little short, but I am rooting for him to to get that because – if he does match his rebounding effort, again, that rebounding is the start of the offense, the fast break, everything. It finishes a defensive possession uh, and, and his ability to go get the basketball. Um, I think there's a chance he can get better numbers just by pure effort and technique. So it, it, it's going to be close. Um, but this one, I'll say he comes just a, a little bit under, but I hope I'm absolutely brutally wrong. Andy, do you realize that Alan Henderson finished 21 points shy of 2,000 with his 1,979? Again, he would have gotten all that without his injury in 1993. He would have been the first member of the 2,000-point, 1,000-rebound club. Trace, I mean, uh, you know, I think he he just needs to get seven and a half rebounds to get to 1,000 rebounds. And obviously, we talked about how close he is to 2,000 already. He would create the 2,000-point, 1,000-rebound club. 
to me, Alan Henderson's an honorary member, uh, but Trace would officially create it, uh, which would be uh, which would be quite impressive. Do you think he'll he'll surpass Allen for the rebound record? Yeah, I'm kind of with Coach on this one. It feels a little, uh, maybe a little bit tougher than the, the scoring one, just because I think you do have, if you look at last season and and the minutes he played to be able to get those rebounds, it, it seems unlikely he would get the same amount of minutes this year. Now, maybe he just is a little bit more efficient or you know, speed of play speeds up a little bit where there's a few more possessions, a few more rebounds to be had, but... I'm inclined to say he comes up a little bit short as well. I think this is one where really the number of games comes into play because I think he could, you know, even if he's just under eight rebounds, but he gets another, you know, couple games, how does that, you know, how does that really translate? Does that help a little bit? Or do you play more tournament games when maybe he does play a bit more as opposed to what you're doing maybe some of the earlier games in the season when he sits a bit more, you know, those are the, you know, games he's going to gonna play a bit more as you, as you go through. So. I think it's close. It's it's interesting to see how close some of these really will be. And then yeah. even to look, you know, right behind uh, Henderson, how close him and Bellamy were again, he seems almost like a lock to pass Benson for third. Um, and I think if he gets one of the other, you know, if he gets one of the other two, he's going to get them both. I think. Yeah. And then blocks traces average 1.9 for his career last season. He had 2.3 per game, which was a career high that was tied for fourth all time with DJ white, the record for blocks, uh, per game in a season, Dean Garrett with 3.4. Uh, Trace is at 178 total block shots. The record, the great Jeff Newton, a legend in Georgia, a legend in Indiana, a legend in Japan, a legend everywhere he goes. 227 block shots for Jeff Newton, Alan Henderson second, DJ White third. If Trace averages 1.9 block shots this season, uh, which again, he was better than that last year, that's his career average, that would give him 245 total, which would you know, kind of blast past Jeff Newton for the record. Um, and so, and I, I think we all agree that one seems more likely, right? The new defense at Indiana uh, instituted under Mike Woodson, where basically Trace gets to roam a little bit more uh, and go for those block shots. You know, I, I think it's safe to say he'll get two per game this year. So in summation, Trace Jackson Davis is likely to leave Indiana as the third highest scorer all time, has a pretty good chance to be the all-time leading rebounder at worst will probably finish third all-time in rebounds and has a really good chance to be the all-time leader in block shots. He would create the 2000 point, 1000 rebound, 200 block shot club, uh, which look, it doesn't really matter what the context of your career. And I think, you know, again, you can say if he had played on better teams, numbers wouldn't have been as high and all of that stuff, but ultimately the record books are what they are. And trace has had a terrific career already. And if he's putting his name up there and the team has success this year, Indiana wins a Big Ten or makes an NCAA tournament run, he really has a chance to rewrite, not rewrite, his legacy hasn't been written, but he has a chance to put an absolutely stellar last chapter on his legacy, kind of like what Yogi Ferrell did. Um, And he'll have the numbers to to back it up. Now he just needs the wins, uh, but the numbers are certainly impressive. A couple other guys real quick to get to. So Race Thompson, he's at 746 points right now. He would need 254 to hit 1,000. So that would mean in 35 games, he would need to average 7.2 points per game. There are currently 52,000-point scores, so he could potentially join those guys. Uh, Do you think Race gets that? Do you think he can get 7.3 points per game in 35 games? 
What what did he average last year? Did, did we do we have last the, year? He have, averaged eleven point one, nine point one the season before. Yeah, I, I think even in you know we we are talking about bigger rosters and minutes, and we don't have any clue how that's going to play out. I, I I think he can get that easily. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'd agree. Yeah, and then the question is how high could he go? So if race averages the same amount of points that he did last year, eleven point one. He'd be at 1,135 points. That would be 41st. He would pass Will Sheehy, Victor Oladipo, Troy Williams, Marshall Strickland, Jay Edwards, and Jared Jeffries, to name a few. Pretty impressive. Now, obviously, he's getting the fifth season, but he missed a lot of time with injury. Uh, but that really just shows the consistency uh, of Race Thompson. That's what you see on these lists. You know, obviously, there are guys like Jay Edwards who are only there for two years, and it's amazing that they're on the list at all. But you see a lot of guys who average, like an Eric Anderson, you know, averages 13 points for his career, but you play every game, you're there for four years, you're going to put up some numbers, and you build winners around those guys. And that's the kind of guy Race has been. We just haven't had enough other good players around him. Uh, and rebounding-wise, he's at 563. If he averages 7.5 rebounds this year, which is what he had last year, he would be at 826. That would tie Eric Anderson for eighth. And then the last one here is Xavier Johnson. Last season, he averaged 5.1 assists per game. That was eighth best all time. The record is 5.7, of course, by Isaiah. Yogi is second with 5.6. He was so close. Uh, And the total for assists in a season, the record is 197. Last year, Xavier had 172, which was fifth all time. Coach, do you think there's any way Xavier Johnson can get to 197 assists, the record? That would be 5.7 per game, uh, which is what Isaiah did. Yeah, so the question, is it possible? Absolutely. Um, If he shows the growth that he showed from the start of last year to the end and running the the team and looking for people and getting better at at being a scoring point guard, and he starts out that way right away, um, I I think you you will see, you know, 5.1 is is really good. And he had, boy, the start of the season was tough with him him running the show. Uh, I think it's possible. the big thing that we're learning here, I'm learning in our discussion, is games played and minutes played are are just unknown. Whether it's tournament time, we have that the little situation with X hanging over. Does he lose a game or two there for disciplinary reasons? We don't know that, but his style of play really impressed me. Um, but more than what, what really impressed me was his ability to adapt within the season uh, and make the necessary changes within the season that. Uh, was just really impressive. And I, I think he's going to be hungry. Um, you know, I, and I think this coaching staff's done a good job of calming him down from the Pittsburgh time. And he still needs some growth in that maturity level. And, and I think you just get a sense that he wants this in his last go around. So I would love to see it for him uh, to get it. It's a big number to get. So I, I think it's going to come short but I do think it's possible. As you asked me, is it possible? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you have Hood Shafino there too to to take some of that uh, that playmaking. Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest part is the presence yeah. of what what projects to be another ball handler. But you you never know. Yeah. Well, look. Either way, all three of these guys have had terrific college basketball careers. Trace and Race, obviously, the entirety of their career with Indiana. Uh, Xavier Johnson put up great numbers at Pitt, put up terrific numbers for Indiana last year. Uh, and you know, while we're all excited to see if Tamar Bates can break out and what the freshman can do, and you know, how does Trey Galloway develop? You know, 
these are the guys that this team is built around. They're experienced. You know, they've done so much in their careers. Uh, and you know, you just you start looking at. I mean, look, man, it's hard to score points in college basketball. It's hard to get rebounds. And so we can say whatever we want about Trace Jackson Davis um, and the teams he's been on. You know, he's made the most of it. Um, and he's coming up here in his senior season <clears throat> with the kind of team that he's always wanted to play uh, on. Uh, and everything I've heard him say this offseason, it sounds like he's a guy ready to really grab that mantle of leader uh, and make the most of it. And if he does that, no one is going to look at any of his numbers as empty numbers or yada yada. All you got to do is win. You win, put up one good winning season, and it justifies all your numbers. Um, and that's what Trace can do right now this season. You know, we're all hopeful uh, that it's going to happen. Um, and I'd love nothing more for him than for that. And, and, and Jared, the, you know, we talked about the volume in his numbers and all that too, but he has a chance for his legacy to be written rather well, get in the tournament again, uh, win, win a game, get to the round of 32, hopefully the sweet 16, elite eight, move on down. But, but he will be a part of maybe stabilizing. I'm not going to say back or, or the return of Indiana to glory days, but the stabilizing of the program in his first year, they were going to go to the NCAA tournament, and then that was taken away by by health issues. And then the, that sophomore year was just a mess, but then it got us back, was part of the, the group of guys that got us back to the tournament and then can advance that while having outstanding numbers. Um, I think he will be, in a few years from now, look back hopefully when this thing stabilizes and we're winning consistently and getting in tournaments and advancing in tournaments consistently – that, that he was a big reason his coming back had, would have, in both years. Um, there's, there's no stat list for, for how important, you know, th that will be hopefully uh, on the positive side for the Indiana Hoosiers. Absolutely. All righty. Well, good luck to Trace. Good luck to Race. Good luck to Xavier chasing those individual stats during the pursuit of team victories, which I know is what they care about. Coming up next, we are going to hit up your questions. A lot of fun ones. We'll get to those next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, all right, all right. Good stuff. It's not always easy to do those numbers-based segments, but hopefully that was interesting for people to listen to. You know, to. the takeaway for me in, in, in sitting here is um, sometimes when you root for a team, you look at the, the blemishes so much because you mm -hmm. see them 32 times. Like how many programs are sitting here with guys that have that kind of chances for numbers? I know. A and experience. Um you know, so you you kind of seesaw from you don't want to be the oh my team's the greatest going to go 
40 and 0 and win the championship because I like the Hoosiers. And then you have the other side, well, they're horrible and Woodson can't recruit and all of that kind of stuff. But that was that was a fun exercise to sit here and listen to us talk about. There are some huge milestones, and you have to be good to get milestones or at least play a while and have some experience. And 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 hopefully that means a lot of good things. That was yep. a that was a fun, fun segment. Good. Excellent. All right. Well, let's get to some questions. Some of these we can kind of go rapid fire through. We got some good ones on Twitter too, so we'll hit some of those. Damn, we actually we need to save some of these. This is a good thread. Let me uh I'll put this in the run sheet here. Maybe it already is, but yeah, okay. it was really pretty crazy to look at some of that stuff and just see I mean the sustained production to be able to get to where some of these guys are. But like you said, even some of the outliers, like the Donchalant thing, the Calvert Cheney field goal percentage and some of that stuff. It's like some of these are just, I mean, even Alford being up really high on the, the, the single season field goal percentage thing is just <laughs> taking crazy. every shot from 15 feet or, or more. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. It is incredible. So many great shooters have come through this university, not in the last five or six <laughs> years, but, yeah. <laughs> but prior yeah, not, to that. Not recently. If we did, but, if we did have but allegedly, shooters. they haven't been here yes. before. Yes. yes. Young Indiana fans don't realize this, but anyway. Uh, let's hop into this and get through as many of these as we can. Here we go. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Go Hoosiers. Speaking of great shooters, there's another one right there, the great James Blackman Jr. All right, folks, it is time for our mailbag. Most of these questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join to assemblycall.com slash community. I saw that Valerie asked if we can do a happy hour before basketball season. Absolutely. In fact, we want to try and do one before football season. So, Coach, let's get a happy hour scheduled sometime in August. We'll talk football. And then, of course, we'll get a few more going for basketball. You know, it's been the summer. Things quiet down a little bit, but we're getting ready to ramp back up with – you know, content and analysis and get togethers and all that stuff here as we get into football, get into basketball. So all that's coming uh, and go join our community. It's great. Uh, and if you get the package with Tony Adranya's IU film room, uh, it'll really make you a smarter IU basketball fan because Tony's content uh, is some of the best IU basketball analysis that is out there. So that's assemblycall.com slash community. All right, let's start this segment off. Uh, unfortunately, the way that we always do. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. So here's the text exchange that I had with Jay earlier today. I said, mediocre question, question mark, as I often do on Thursday to remind him to send it in. His question is, Trace Jackson Davis has a lot to gain this coming season in terms of his IU legacy. Who are some IU players that, by returning for their senior season, elevated themselves to another level in IU basketball lore? Immediately followed by this text from Jay, God, I'm good at this. <laughs> to which I replied, and humble too, and he says, people tell me I'm brilliant and I'm smart enough to agree. Like, if we just had him and Ryan on an episode sometime, what would happen? Could that much ego fit onto one show, one episode? It would be well worth it. Yeah. There's only one way to find out. I think the ratings would go skyrocketing. <laughs> or everybody would leave. One of the two. There would be no in-between. 
There would definitely be no in-between. Uh, but, I mean, Jay is good at asking questions. I mean, he's a lawyer, so I guess he should be. Um, but, yeah, so Trace has a lot to gain. Who elevated themselves to another level in IU basketball lore uh, by returning for their senior season? I think the most obvious one is Yogi Ferrell, the most yeah, recent I think one. Yeah. His legacy is totally that, different if he leaves after his junior year. Yeah, that's the one that came to mind. That the the difficult thing about the question, at least the way that I took it, was you know returning to their returning for their senior season, implying there was an opportunity for them to go play professionally. And I just don't feel like there are too many guys who stayed through their junior year who had those opportunities who really decided to come back. Yogi was really one of the only ones that that came to mind to me from a, you know, true legacy perspective. I'm sure there might be one or two that I'm not thinking of, but you know, most of the guys who left early left after their freshman or sophomore seasons and not necessarily their junior season. So that's kind of where I got hung up on this one, at least going yeah, quickly. Into things. So here's a couple that are interesting. Um, Alan Henderson obviously could have gone pro. He, he comes back for senior season and averages 23.5 points, just goes into another stratosphere as a score. Um, and really kind of showed another level of his game. I think that team went to the Sweet 16. You know, I'm not sure that he really changed his legacy all that much. Um, I mean, I think to a certain extent, when you get that high on all of the lists and you lead a team yourself outside of the shadow of the other guys that had kind of been around you, I think that does probably change things a little bit. So I think I would put Alan Henderson there. Um, another one who I think is interesting is Christian Watford who obviously flirted with going pro after his junior season, came back and amassed, you know, a lot of statistics. Um, and obviously, you know, was on a team that was ranked number one and went, you know, won a Big Ten title. They had a very successful season. Did his legacy change, though? Um, you know, I think as a senior, he w became a better defensive player. You know, and again, they had a lot of team success. Um, and he put his, you know, his name being so high on the numbers. I think his is one that surprises some people, that he's so high in rebounds, so high in points but I'm not necessarily sure his legacy changed um, so much. I, I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, they're, they're interesting names. I, I tend to feel like both of them, I want to say, reached their peak earlier than that versus Yogi really reached his peak, I would say, as a leader in that uh, in that other year. You know, Watford had the watch out. That came in his, his junior season. Henderson was part of that you know those those couple great IU teams really before it was his senior season that I think that's what people I mean people I, I think think immediately of the injury with him unfortunately um but but that injury that that impacted the the ultimate success of those couple teams that uh you know the one that made the final four the one that probably would have um otherwise so I I think they're probably as close in answers as you could get outside of Yogi but I I don't know that those seasons dramatically changed that. I think they had kind of cemented a bit of what they had done prior to their senior season. Yeah, Yogi just had a great senior season with the team winning, um, big shots, the the assist uh, record thing against Illinois, and you know that was his team. He came in as a freshman um, with, with the number one team in, in 2013, and then you know had had some had to be that leader, and, and so I think if he was thinking about turning pro as a junior, that, that senior year was so much different and even better. He had been good, but that senior year really kind of um, made his mark. So I, I think that's the clear answer for me. 
you know, Greg Graham is another interesting one. I don't think he had a chance to go pro after his junior season. So if you take it as, you know, return to college, then maybe he doesn't count. But his senior season, I mean, completely rewrote his legacy and what he did down the stretch, especially after Allen Henderson got hurt, you know, winning defensive player of the year, shooting like 56% from three-point range. I mean, he was unbelievable in Big Ten play um, and really kind of cemented legendary status with what he did down the stretch. And then there have been some other guys that, you know, maybe emerged as seniors, you know, and kind of wrote their legacy as seniors, but didn't necessarily um, already have a legacy and change it or, or add, you know, make it, um, you know, totally different, which I think is what the question was getting at. But if you have answers uh, for this, uh, send us a tweet at assembly call or shoot us an email, Jared at assembly call.com. Um, Cause we always love to get your feedback on these questions as well. Um, that was a fine question, Jay. We appreciate you sending it in. Um, Let's see here. Okay, so this is from James. He says, this would make more sense if you've listened to the most recent Crimson cast, but has anyone noticed that when Galen moderates the episode and Scott is on, Galen is the voice of reason and Scott yells, rants, and curses, which I love, by the way. But when Scott hosts without Galen, he always starts each episode so soft-spoken and calm, he almost sounds like he's hosting an NPR segment. Do you think if Ryan was ever forced to host, this same personality transformation would occur? It's completely ridiculous. No. No. <laughs> I really don't. No. I really don't. I think I, Ryan I don't I'm not I sure Ryan so has multiple person like it, I mean, James is right. Like Scott is definitely different when he's hosting. It's almost like he's just kind of free to roam when Galen's there because he knows Galen's in charge and he'll kind of pull things back in. So I, I would hold out a small bit of space that if Ryan had the responsibility of hosting and the focus that it requires. Cause I'm pretty sure at times when Ryan is on the show, he's off like watching something, writing for the big lead, and then he'll pop on and sometimes say something that was mentioned like three minutes before. <laughs> and so you know that he wasn't listening. But hosting requires a different level of focus, you know, to kind of keep to, to kind of keep things going. So I do hold out some space that it could happen. Um but I'm pretty sure Ryan is how he is and would probably be the same way while he's hosting. <laughs> We'd love to the find banner, out someday, honestly. The banner great. moment would be something else. Right into it. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Inexcusable. It would every this banner, banner moment, moment brought to you by yeah. Every banner moment yeah. would absolutely be a reaffirmation of a previous point he had made and how this new moment <laughs> affirmed a previous point that he made. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your proud banner moment slash victory lap would be the new uh <laughs> Let me just jump in real quick. No. Uh, Brian says maybe post nose job Ryan will have or post nose job Ryan will have more mellow. We will see. No. It'd just be it'd be good to get him back. Sorry, over. Brian. Good. You have a lot of good comments. No. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah. No Sorry, comments. Ryan. Um, all right. Let's see. So Phil asked this question about an article um, that Mike Schumann wrote over at the Daily Hoosier about minutes. Let's hold off on that question because I haven't had a chance to read it, and we'll probably have an episode talking about minutes uh, coming up. Forrest says, please know Ryan hosting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Forrest is my guy. <laughs> he did say Forrest please is. also, which, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So we did go out to Twitter, and we put out a call, a call for the random and ridiculous Twitter question of the week. And folks came through. We got some good ones. We're not going to get through all of these, but I'm saving this so that we can get through them on future episodes. Uh, from Dave, our good friend Dave uh, at Switchyard, if you had to, for whatever horrible reason, not root for IU, 
what Big Ten school would you support and why? Ooh, boy. Oh, boy. What Big Ten school would you support? Andy, you got this one first. USC, UCLA, you know, the traditional powers. Uh, obviously, yes. In all sports or just Boy, basketball? That doesn't oh, specify. Good, good call. So, um, I mean, let's take it. Let, this is a basketball show, so let's take it with basketball. You know, because on the one hand, it's like, well, Northwestern's harmless. I guess I could go root for them, but then you're just you're rooting for Northwestern. And there's yeah, no but you want to, uh, yeah, you want to experience joy at some point. Yes. So, yeah, I would probably just stop rooting for sports altogether if I had to root for uh. Northwestern. Sorry, Michael Dugan. Hey, congrats to Michael Dugan, by the way. Former assembly call intern, getting a promotion up to Burlington, Vermont, from Mississippi. So Michael doing big things. Just a slight climate change situation there between between those two locales. But, we knew uh, he was going to be special but... when early on in his internship career, on the weekend of my wedding, when Indiana was out in Maui and no one could host, he hosted the St. John's postgame show by himself. And it was awesome. <laughs> he has hosted a show before, Ryan. Point we've made before. Oh, we're not jumping into answering yeah, this question, so I'm stalling. <laughs> I, don't, I can't even. I can't really fathom rooting for another Big Ten school. That's the thing. Like I don't. Uh... All right, I'll take it. Since you guys are just fiddle farting around right here and not having the guts to come up and make it answer answer Dave's question, I mean, what what a bunch of sorry asses we're working with right here. It's just a simple question. You're not cutting your finger and promising in blood. Let's pull out okay, a school. Who is you it got, then? You got 37 schools to pick from. I'm going. I like coaches. So for me, it's a coaching thing. And, and right now, I, I'm a Brad Underwood coach. I, I, I've been in his press conferences. I just like the way he addresses. I like the way they play. Um, so it's Illinois, I, I, dude. I'd pick Illinois. I'm answering the question. We had 35 seconds of silence. But that's what I think. But that's the thing. I can't root for Indiana, so I got to root for someone else. I know. It says right? if you had to. Why did he have to put that in there? If you had to. I had. If I had to, I'm going to go with the coach that I really enjoy right now. Okay. You know what? I think Dominic, you want me to say Purdue and everyone get no, on me because I, I, I we don't want you to say that. Purdue. We know secretly you're harboring those wishes because of your love for Matt Painter and they're nice to you with yeah. the media passes and all that. We know. <laughs> um, I think Dominic has it right. I would root for Rutgers. Um, I consider them relatively harmless. Uh, the wardrobe is relatively similar. I do actually like Steve Peichel. Uh, I will actually say. Of all the fan bases that I interact with online, I actually find my interactions with Rutgers fans to be the most pleasant. Um, now, there's only a few of them, and like there's a, there's a dude who who listens to the assembly call Ooh. and is a big Rutgers fan. So I'm basing that on an extremely limited sample size, but I've enjoyed my interactions with him. Uh, and I don't know. I actually I kind of like their teams the last few years. Um, I think if I had to. I'd go for Rutgers because I also don't really consider them a Big Ten team. So it would kind of be like I'm not rooting for a Big Ten team anyway. Michael's so, Michael's a good coach. I can't I cannot yeah. go for Illinois. I don't care who's coaching Illinois. You can't root for Pico's Illinois. Pico's pretty Purdue. good too. Yeah, Pico's good. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I tried to I, I tried to think of like somewhat cop out answers as well in terms of like, yeah, you can't you can't really pick Nebraska. One, they're not successful in, in basketball, but they're two, not a like, Big Ten team. And, and even like Maryland. So I felt like he couldn't pick them. Uh, I, I, I toyed with the idea of Penn State because I do kind of like the – I like Shrewsbury. 
I tried to go down coaches route there, but then it's like, yeah, there's really not a whole lot there. You got to watch their games where the students are, the four students are like screaming into the microphone behind the other person. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I can't, maybe, maybe Michigan. I don't know. Michigan, Michigan. Well, yeah, I live here with all these Ohio state fans. So at least that would give me potentially some kind of like Juwan Howard. I think there's, I think there's angles there. Okay. I forgot about Michigan. Here's my, I would, I think I would actually, I scoffed at that. I would actually put Michigan number two. And actually the reason why is because I think Michigan has some of the best coverage by Dylan Burkhart, UM hoops. I would enjoy being a Michigan fan just because I could be a premium subscriber to UM hoops and get really in-depth coverage because Dylan does awesome work. So I can't, I don't think I can make like stretch a reasoning for anybody else. Um, so that's a great question, Dave. That's a really good, random, and ridiculous question. Uh, Papa Woody <laughs> says, if you had to choose one hairstyle from a current IU player to put on Coach Tonsoni's bald head, who would it be? Any of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would actually like to see Coach Tonsoni keep the bald head, but let's go with the Woody goatee. I would like to see a thick black goatee on Coach Tonsoni's face. It would be gray, unfortunately. That's... I'd have to color it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> give him a Sharpie, and he's just he's fine. Coach Marlowe, um, I like it. Either Hood Shafino, uh, Tony Stuckey says Hood Shafino, Trey Galloway. I think Malik Renault. I like Malik Renault's hair. Really, I, but it's true. Any of them would be great. I would have yeah. said, said Galloway. <laughs> I would have said Galloway. Oh, that's a good one. Um, all right. Who would win a fist fight between Tom Coverdale and Dane Fife during their IU days and now? Fife. Yeah. I think I'd go with Fife. I, mean, I feel like who, Fife would fight. Anybody who bit a guy during a game. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing that during a game, what are you doing when it's not a game? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And he probably, you know, I love Tom, but Dane probably has got a little bit of a speed advantage on him uh, now and might have had it. You know, now, you know, Tom's got the, probably the strength, but yeah, Dane, I, I just think Dane would go farther. Like, I think Tom would be cool and just want to like end it and go have a beer. But like, I feel like Dane would get into it and like, you'd have to like pry his jaws off your calf or something, you know? <laughs> so. And Dane would win the psychological warfare piece of it yes. too. The trash talking and get you out of your game and then sucker punch you. Yes. You know, these questions, we are in off season, aren't we? Yes. Like, I can't, I can't. Let's get, the, we get back into basketball August. season. That's why we're here. Do you think Woody should have called a timeout to eight seventeen mark in the second half? Those are the questions we, those are easier to answer than who wins uh, a fight between. Yeah, I'm putting less, life. yeah, I, I can respond to those more quickly. These are really requiring some deep yeah. thought. Uh, from Nate, I have seen Pete Davidson doing commercials for the lawnmower 4.0 recently. Anyway, we can get audio playback of coach on Sony's lawnmower ad or at least the episode number it occurred in. Thanks in advance. We do. We need to go pull that audio. <laughs> I don't think I was. Huh. I don't think I was there for that show. Yeah, because you hosted it. I think. Um, do you, man? Do you remember when that was? I bet I. Oh, I bet I, I can find know. it on an old run sheet. Did you have a script for that one, or did you just ad lib it? I yes, I, I read it. Oh, there were. I yeah, had there a were script. I think I add, added a, a couple things in there, or I, or I had to add something. There was a basic script, and then you had to add something. Um, okay, I'm gonna. You look know you're this. an old dude. When, you're an old dude when you use the manscape razor to shave the hair off your ears. 
that that's when you <laughs> that's really reached an age that it's really bad, you know. Manscaped. There's the lawnmower copy. All right, we're gonna find this. Uh, yeah, I'm. Gonna that was a tough ad read. Yeah, we got comments about that one. Uh, if we didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't end up doing the full sponsorship. That was basically a test, and we're kind of gonna see how it went over. Uh, we had some listeners that weren't real happy about the about the manscaped. There it is. Um, before we get to Hoosier headlines, I want to take a minute and introduce you to manscaped. All right. So I think there were multiple. It wasn't just one. I think there were. There yeah, were there multiple. were a few. I think it was. A we four had it for four or five shows, test. didn't we? I think there was a four yeah. episode test. Yeah. Okay. I am going to go try to find this audio, and we will pull Coach's Manscaped ad, and see if there's Thanks. any any nuggets of the. I'm reworking my contract. <laughs> Every drop, I get ten cents or something. Nil money. Um. All right. Let me just see if there's. Any, let's do one more. Uh, that's actually a good basketball question. We'll hold that for another night because um, clearly none of us are in the right mindset to really talk basketball here. Um, let's see. And, okay, so who has the best half-court and game-winning shot-making ability on this Hoosier squad? So there we go. Best half-court. We know Devontae Green is like the best half-court shot-maker in – Indiana history, uh, but who has the best half court and game winning shot making ability on this Hoosier squad? So, who do you want taking a half court shot, and who do you want taking a game winning shot? What do you think? Good question. Um, I think, I mean, game winning shot. Boy, it's tough because you've got. Can we just have a guy make a shot before we start? You got well, I know, but you got you hear you got. Th- those tend to fall more on perimeter players. So you're inclined to say X in that scenario, um, dependent upon the, the situation. Cause it's hard to pick one of the young guys that you haven't seen do it. Um, so I guess I'd say him for that, the half court, maybe that's more of a. Leal strikes me as a guy who's probably awesome at half court shots. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Andy. Um, I'm, I'm putting the ball in X's hands uh, and, and not necessarily telling him that he has to take that shot, but you put it in, in the hands of your creator and go win a game. Uh, and if that means pull up and shoot, then pull up and shoot. If that means you hit the open guy, hit hit the open guy. But I, I think the perimeter aspect that Andy's saying is what you have to do. You can design a, a post feed, but um, – you're obviously going to go there or, or trace Jackson Davis in the post, but sometimes it's hard because you're, you're prevented from passing it into the post. Yeah. Um, okay. So think back to the end of last season. Remember we'd get close in close games and they drew it up for Parker Stewart all the time. Now he didn't, wasn't always able to come through. Uh, and we know fantasy, you know, was inconsistent, but always seemed to make the big ones. So let's, you know, think about that Rutgers game, right? You've got to have a three pointer. You're coming out of a timeout. Who are you drawing it up for? Because you're not, I mean, X is not the guy that you want taking it off the dribble. Now, you know, as a catch and shoot guy, he was pretty good. But are you drawing it up for Miller Cop? Are you drawing something up with X off the ball? You're putting the ball in X's hands and you're probably looking for scoop coming off of a a, a staggered double right now uh, until we know who who the consistent three-point shooters are. You're going to have to believe him or or you have Miller Cop in, in a, I would run the shooter off that kind of screen and have cop in the other corner. So you have a couple options to hit shooters. Yeah. Depending on time and score. 
Uh, but the ball has to go, obviously, your point guard. It's Mr. You know, obvious here. But um, X is your winner, in, in my opinion. Is, is your downhill guy is your winner. Uh, and then, obviously, you have your shooter. And if you can get it in the post, you're going to go to TJD. So those are your three options. All right. Well, any final thoughts from you guys here before we wrap up another successful episode of the assembly call? I think. Always good to see Andy. A lot of ground. It is good to see Andy. Good to be back. Happy anniversary, Andy. Yep. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes. Congratulations to you and Jen. On our way to 20. So. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. All righty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. Uh, As I mentioned before, if you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. We thank, as always, the great Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of RiggsDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU basketball again with you next Thursday. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. You dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Ten cents. (laughs) I'm keeping a tally. (sighs) All right. There we go. Another off-season show in the books. That was fun. That was fun. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. And yeah, if, you, if you're here for the chat mob and you have not yet joined the community, go to assemblycall.com slash community because we'd love to have you in there. That'll start picking up, start using the Discord again more. I think it's kind of nice to... I mean, we, there's still been conversations going in there. I try to check in once or twice a day, post a question, that kind of thing. But it's nice to get a couple of months not being in there quite as much because as soon as football season hits and then basketball season's rolling... We uh, we'll be in there a lot. Feels like it doesn't stop then until about April. <laughs> How are we feeling about the Illinois game, Coach? Any positive vibes happening for uh for football? Oh man, we almost almost made it through without the got some things in the chat here that might need to. Oh man, almost sixty nine oh, good... mega here posting again. It was a good run. Got a lot. I'm nervous about football. Um. Again, just nervous. That seems actually pretty optimistic. A season of uncertainty or team of uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. Illinois plays the week before, um, so they'll come in, although it's the first road game. Um, that That's just a – it's a, I hate to say must-win game in your first game. It's a must-win uh, game. Uh, but, it, you know, the schedule is just so tough to get back to where I think Coach needs them to get to. Uh, it's a big, big um, – First game. Tonsoni tailgate will be alive and well. Yeah, taking personal day off so I can be in the nice. parking lot by noon. Very nice. Or whenever hopefully they open at noon and get started. So nice. We'll have details call. on that for everyone to stop by. Very nice. Yes, we will send out those details. I got a call soon with uh, our buddy John Ringer about doing a logo for the doing the work team. So yeah, though yep. Jeff and Kathy, they'll have new shows coming. Uh, we're gonna get them on their own feed. So we got a few a few things to do there over the next few months. We'll be on the lookout for that. Are you guys gonna do off season bracketology? 
Do you uh, do you dabble in that at all? We'll put something do, out. I usually do one right before the season is. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't started compiling any information for that yet. So yeah, we had our call out this morning, so we got uh, at least nine names, and we'll have a few more trickle in. Nice for our young people. That is exciting. All right, and Coach nice. Marlowe tells you... us August twenty fourth is the next episode of Doing the Work. Very good. I'd love to, I'd love to hear an episode like this one for Grace Berger and how where she can march up the charts for her final season. Set the context for that. She's got to be up there pretty True. high on some of those. Yeah, lists. I, would, I would think so. No, Coach, I was seeing when you go uh, when you go back to school. You get started today. Right today was our first student day. Hey, mm. so I'm back working. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I had to your voice, half the year off. Right? your voice just dropped a little bit. I'm back working. <laughs> I'm back. We'll take that to the school board. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. You cannot outwork me. That's right. <laughs> when did I say that? I don't remember that one. That wasn't about myself, was uh, no, it? That it had to be about no. an athlete, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please you tell me I didn't outwork me. Come on, man. I... No, you can tell because it's not like your normal cadence. You're imitating somebody. Yeah. But it's... it's not. I'm not Jay Horry. <laughs> oh man all right all right well have a good night everybody we will see y'all next week and on twitter and in the community in the meantime peace all right see you guys talk to you later bye look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.